Hi, everybody. I am Tyson Perez, and I am so excited to bring you the first ever episode of the One Degree Podcast. On this episode, I talk to Tony Kemp. He is a current Major League Baseball player for the Oakland Athletics, previously played for the Chicago Cubs, and in 2017, he won a World Series ring with the Houston Astros. Tony is an underestimated, undersized guy. These are the things he was told. He has a below average arm. He's got no power in his bat. Can his body hold up to a full major league season? You know, wood bats aren't aluminum bats. There won't be a spot for him in the MLB. He talks about playing with that chip on his shoulder and always wanting to prove people wrong. Tony Kemp, my man. I appreciate it so much, buddy. Thank you for Thank you for hopping on, being one of my first guests for this podcast. Um, me and you have been through a lot together, man. Like we're not just, I'm not just some fan that like hits you up. Hey, can you tell me your story? Um, we kind of had to deal with the trials and the tribulations of, of baseball and all that that comes with. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule. You guys are in a summer camp right now, right? Yeah. Yeah. So right now, um, Obviously, first of all, thanks for having me. Honored to be your first guest, man. This is I'm glad you're doing this. It's it's a it's a big deal. Um yeah, right now we're we're out in Alameda, which is about fifteen minutes from Oakland, so and the stadium. So we're uh we're enjoying it. And this is your this is your first year with the A's, right? Me and you played together with the Astros and then you went to the Cubs and then you got picked up by the A's this offseason. It was the 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 off season wasn't as crazy as you know spring training and leading up to the season. So how's the how's the A's been treating you so far, and how is the how's the summer camp been going? Is it is it kind of like spring training just in the summer, even though you're only playing your fellow teammates? How's that been going? Yeah, man. Honestly, you know, with the protocols, it's a little weird. Uh, you know, before you get into the stadium, you get two temperature checks before you even get into the gate, and then once you get into the gate. Um, every other day is a saliva test and then you have to make sure um, once you're done with that you go into the clubhouse and you know it's weird for me man imagine going into a clubhouse with no cards no video games no couches so um, everyone's you know having to be uh, socially distant and then everyone's having to wear masks so that's that's a that's what's weird for me and then uh, when you go into the food room everything is in to-go containers so um there's no just like going through the line um but everyone's being re very um you know cautious about the you know COVID-19 and so it's good man uh it's a little weird yeah facing all your you, you know the same pictures and stuff every other day um I think everyone's kind of itching to start playing you know new competition but it's going well the A's are good you know I'm, I I've, I feel like I always played pretty well against them so uh when I got traded traded here I wasn't too surprised but you know their organization that's you know been around for a long time that's you know blue collar just works hard and you know people just uh want to come to the field every day and, and win so I'm happy to be a part of the culture man it's cool to always you know I've been blessed to be part of my third team and you know teams that are always contending to go to the playoffs in the world series so uh I feel like it's going to be a good fit for me see and hearing you talk about how the locker room is different and the uh, interaction is different. That's one of the things I know you as well that I enjoyed the most about playing baseball. You know, like is your friends, you know, interacting, 
before, after the game, during BP, because you're doing this every single day. You have a yeah. game every single night. You know, like when you run onto that field, it's business. That's your job. You're doing everything you can to be the best that you can be during that time. And then, so, you know, after the game, when you're with your boys, before the game, when you're with your boys laughing around, joking, that's, that's kind of what keeps it separate from like that just grind of baseball every day. So I know you, you know, being a, a, a people person and wanting to be around and interacting, <laughs> I know that's, that's uh, probably got to be pretty tough for you, but you know, we have to adjust. And this is kind of one of the things that you have to deal with right now because it's just kind of like the hand that you're dealt right now. Yeah. It is weird yeah. to me to, you know, to kind of hear you kind of get a little sad and, you know, talk about the locker room because <laughs> that's one of the things that you enjoy and you love people so much. I know it's it's uh hopefully uh, this season to go by fast so we can go back to being you know normal but we're uh we're taking the right steps. Yes, sir. All right, so you obviously are a professional baseball player, are a big league, big league player, one of the one of the best guys that that um, I've ever been around and known. And did this kind of start from you know a young age? I know that you're from uh, a, a Franklin, Tennessee. Were you born and raised there? Yeah, yeah. So I spent, I think when I was three years old, I spent a year in Maryland. Um, but once I started going to school and stuff, yeah, I could say, yeah, born and raised in Franklin, Tennessee. And were you a were you a multi sport athlete? Was it was it just baseball? What did you what did you would you like? Because I know you on the baseball field are one of the most athletic people that they are making making plays left and right but does that kind of help that you played other sports also or was it or was it just baseball for you yeah so I always um let's see I played basketball I started playing baseball when I was four and then I started picking up basketball probably when I was five or six and then I started playing football when I was in fourth grade so 10 so when I was 10 years old is when I started playing, when I was started being a three-sport athlete. So I guess I was a three-sport athlete from the age of 10 up until my sophomore year of high school when my basketball coach, you know, I was missing, I was missing practices in the summer. And, you know, he did doubleheaders Tuesday and Thursday, six and eight. And uh, I guess we had night practices on Thursdays and I was able to go to a couple of them, but um, this was my freshman summer leading into my sophomore year. And I had just had to sit down and talk with him. And he said, you know, you're going to have to make a decision if you want to play baseball or if you want to play basketball here. And at the time, he had a he had a son that was 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, that was pretty much the most dominant basketball player um, in Centennial High School. Made probably history. But uh, he went on to play at, um, I think, a D1 or D2 school, but uh, never made the NBA. And, you know, most of the plays were going toward going toward Drew, which was cool because he was one of the best players. But, you know, I felt in my heart that the coach really didn't, you know, he didn't really care too much about the other players if, um, you know, he was asking me if I wanted, if I had to choose between two sports, which I loved. So, you know, that's when I stopped playing basketball. It was sad, but I guess it was a, it was a blessing in disguise just so I could, you know, have that time, you know, when football ended up until when baseball would start. Uh, kind of to have it myself and so uh, then played football all up until senior year high school uh, I was going to I was going to actually not play my senior year because I had a I had signed to go to Vanderbilt and 
Uh, I talked to the coach and I said, hey, I'm not going to play football this year. And Coach Corbin actually talked me back into playing. And he said, you know, I'll honor your scholarship, you know, no matter if you get hurt, no matter what happens. He was like, because I think if you don't, if you don't play, you know, you'll have that regret for the rest of your life. Um, and he was right. I mean, we were terrible. We only had like, I think we won like, we won like four, we won like three and eight or something like that, like four and eight, something like that. We were terrible. But, you know, as I had played with those kids, I had played with my friends up until, you know, I was starting out at fourth grade, 10 years old. Some of those guys I'd played with, you know, for, I don't know, eight, seven, seven, eight years. And so, I'm happy he honored my scholarship and, you know, told me that because, you know, it's all about that camaraderie, right? Like how we talked about. And uh, yeah, so that, that's a little, that's a little, little background going into going into high school, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, I've always enjoyed sports, wish I could, if soccer wasn't it, if soccer wasn't during baseball season, I'd play soccer, but. So what is your take? You were just talking about how you were a three sport athlete made it to the peak of the game in baseball what is your take on kids and their parents only wanting them to play one sport all year round? Like, <laughs> I believe that you and your athletic ability that you have, you know, God-given talent, obviously, but the, all the skills that you developed from playing <laughs> basketball and football helped you. So what is your take on should kids play all sports? Should they just focus on one? What do you think about that? Oh man, I mean, I've always been a firm believer that kids should play as many play 15 sports if you can. Um, you know, because I just feel like sometimes kids can get burned out if they just play one sport. And plus when you play different sports and you're in different things, you have different friend groups, right? Yes. So like you grow up and um, you know, sometimes you might get sick of just seeing your baseball guys all the time and hang out with the baseball guys all the time. And I thought it was cool because you know, in middle school and in high school whenever I would like go from football to basketball, basketball to baseball, like I feel like I had a refresher of, of group of friends. Like it was like I was meeting them all over again because, you know, when you're in that sport, that's the only people you spend time with. So yeah, I've, I'm always a firm believer in play as many sports as you can. So you don't get burned out on one and um, you make more friends that way. Yeah, I agree. And you talking about your coach and how he kind of told you to go play football so that you didn't, regret it I think you know a lot of kids they just they just love baseball and obviously they have dreams of making it and stuff and they they might play all year round because they think that it's the best way to make it you know like if they if they just work on baseball all year round all year round and how your coach coach told you that he didn't want you to regret not playing and there's not very many people still like that you know that will that will right. uh, allow you to be able to do the things that you want Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, that's why who Coach Corbin is, man. And obviously we can get to him later whenever I start talking about college and stuff. But um, that's just who he is. You know, he's he's that guy. And, you know, me and Michelle had dinner with Maggie and Tim before we left. And, you know, those are the, they're just, you know, people in your life that are always going to be there. And I'm happy that he, you know, told me that. Um, but yeah yeah he's a he's a role model he's a role model type yeah they turn into family and getting into vandy yeah. and stuff so so you signed to go to vandy out of high school obviously we're a stud to be able to get scholarship from vanderbilt one of the best teams in the country and you went as a freshman you were the sec freshman of the year and then did you guys make it to the college world series that year your freshman year and that was the first time that you guys 
had made it to the College World Series as a program? Yeah, man. So it was special. Um, I'm going to back it up a little bit going in um, from high school, but um, my sophomore year, you know, I was just talking to my brother. My brother, um, he has he has his jersey retired at our high school, Centennial High School in Franklin as well. Me, him, and a guy named Matt Williams, who played in the Cardinals organization, in the Angels organization. Um, but I talked to my brother, and he went to East Carolina University. He actually went to Tennessee Tech, which is a D1 school. He had a four-ride scholarship to go there. Um, he went there, and then he went to Young Harris. He transferred to JUCO, and then he went to East Carolina for his junior and senior year. And then his senior year, he was the Conference USA Player of the Year. So my brother, was a, he was a stud, too. He made it up to double A. Uh, with the Brewers and then kind of, you know, decided that he wanted to get, get into something else, you know. He decided baseball wasn't, you know, when it's not fun anymore, he knew it was time to, you know, go go on and do something else. So I remember my sophomore year, I kind of just talked to him and I said, um, hey, man, like, do you think that I'll get a scholarship to go play, like, I don't know, baseball in college? Like, I don't know, man. I didn't know. Honestly, I just didn't know how good I was. And uh, he, you know, laughed at me and stuff. And it's actually a funny story. We, it was, my brother was pretty cocky back in high school, but, you know, just talking brother to brother, I think it's pretty funny. I remember being on the stairs and talking to him, and I think he had just, I think he had just, like, I think he was getting, like, because he, he got, did my brother get drafted at a high school? I think my brother got, yeah, my brother got drafted at a high school in, like, the 45th round, back when they had 50 rounds by the Pirates, and... I remember I was like, man, like, you know, I want to be just like you. And he was like, you know, there's only there's only room for one star in this family. And I just remember I was like, I don't know how old I was. I was probably like 12. And I was like bawling my eyes out on the stairs oh, like, gosh. I want to be a star. <laughs> uh, but no, he's actually, you know, he's taught me every sport there is. Uh, you know, he's we still have a close relationship now. Um He's one of my, like, he's seen my swing ever since I was four years old. So, you know, he knows, he knows my approach. He knows, you know, when I'm doing certain things. And, you know, he's one of the best hitting coaches I've had beside myself. But um, <laughs> going back to high school, junior year, started getting some looks. Um, I only got two college scholarship offers. Um, I didn't get any offers around Middle Tennessee besides Vanderbilt. Um, East Carolina had actually come in my junior year, offered me a 70% scholarship to go play there, play outfield. Um, which I'll give you a quick story that too uh, in a second, but ended up decommitting. Um, Vanderbilt came in um, with a full ride. So I was like, okay, <laughs> I was like, all right, well, I think that, you know, ended up decommitting, uh, still waiting on that phone call from Billy Godwin. Uh, <laughs> I called him to decommit and I had told the assistant coach, but the head coach never called me back. But um, little did I know uh, the year before my junior year, I had looked at who was going to be on the roster and it was, you know, I was like, who's this, who's this Mike Trout guy? <laughs> so I don't know if you know that uh, Mike Trout was commit, he was signed to go to East Carolina and play before he went into the, the draft. And I found out some backstory before Jackie Bradley had committed to go to South Carolina. He actually um, was committed. He was actually going to go to East Carolina too until, you know, South Carolina came in. So after I decommitted, I kind of understood because the outfield could have been me, Jackie Bradley Jr. and Mike Trout at East Carolina. Wow. But we all, ended, wow. we, we all ended up um, 
you know, not going there. So I understand why I didn't get my phone call back, but, um, yeah, he was so looking at then, the greatest outfield in sports history and then he ends up getting none of them. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and that, and they were Oh nine. So they were one year older than me. Um, so yeah, they would have been a year older than me, but yeah, at some point the outfield would have been us three. And they, maybe they so. need to kind of restructure their kind of way to get players because <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you get the best players and then they end up going somewhere else. Yeah. And that's kind of the name of the game, man. Um, you know, if I were to give any advice to anyone going through the recruiting process is just to have as much fun as you can with it, because uh, sometimes it can be stressful. You know, um, I think my family won the best for me at the time. And I, I was such a people pleaser. I just want everyone else to be happy. But at the same time, you have to be like, all right, my dad like sat me down. He took me to dinner. And he said, hey, like my parents, were, my parents got divorced when I was uh, in sixth grade. So, you know, I had shared every other weekends with my dad and, you know, he sat me down at dinner one day and he just said, you know, you're going to be the guy that's going to these classes, going to these practices, like no one else can do this for you. So you have to, um, do what's best for you. And my dad didn't care that I had a full ride to go to Vanderbilt and a 70% scholarship to go to East Carolina. Like that wasn't, he didn't care about that. He just wanted me to be happy and make sure I made the right decision for myself. And so, yeah, that's when I decided, I was like, man, like, that's when I started. And then my mom was like, you know, before you make your decision, just do some research, like, see what kind of university East Carolina gets you, what kind of degree does Vanderbilt get you after you're done playing baseball. And so like, you know, blessed to have great parents that just like sat me down and said, hey, like, look at your avenues. And so obviously, after comparing, you know, East Carolina to Vanderbilt, I was like, okay, I don't really think there's a you know, I think that, <laughs> nothing against well, East Carolina, but you know, Carolina, but Vanderbilt was 30 minutes down the road and East Carolina was a nine hour drive. Uh, so it was cool to, so then, um, you know, leading up into it, man, um, that summer after I played my last high school game, I took six hours and a summer school course leading up to go to Vanderbilt, kind of got my feet wet, kind of got used to the campus. Um, it was, it was actually really cool, man. Uh, one of my best friends, Robert Hansen, who was actually the Tennessee Pitcher of the Year, um, he was he was going to Vandy too. So, man, like it was like a dream come true. We had talked about this when we were like 15, 16 years old. Um, the same summer ball team. It was me, Robbie Ray, Mookie Betts, uh, Robert Hansen. So, like we had a we had a everybody on our summer team had committed to D1. That's a squad so, right there. Yeah, so it was pretty cool. So. Going into Vandy, man, it was a rude awakening, man. Um, those classes were no joke. Wow. Um, I I think the first semester I had like all B's, a C, and I've skated by oceanography with like a C minus or maybe a D plus, dude. I don't, oceanography. I like, what were you doing over yeah. there? Just trying to get the best grades you could? <laughs> dude, it was, um, it was, I thought it was going to be an easy science class. And it was the hardest science class I ever took at Vandy. <laughs> Trying to learn about but, the ocean. Yeah. But, um, yeah, had a pretty good fall, man. Went down. We went down to Texas for a, a scrimmage. Had a couple hits. Kind of got my – felt like I got my feet wet with the team. And um, the year before, man, uh, sitting on the couch watching Vanderbilt actually play, they were in a Super Regional with Florida State. And I remember selfishly I didn't want them to actually go to the World Super because – I was like, man, like, it would be cool for us to be the first team to go. Yeah. And um, 
you know, not that I was rooting against the guys, the boys, but like selfishly, I was like, man, like I, you know, I want to be the first team. So they ended up losing the Florida State and they had a squad coming in. Mikey Skrimsky uh, was going to be in the outfield, Connor Harrell, Joe Loftus, some big names. We had a transfer coming in. Uh, Jack Lupo was actually one of my groomsmen in my wedding. And um, yeah, it was a long journey. And so leading up until, uh, you know, the opening day, uh, I played decently. Lupo actually dove for a ball. I think he was going to be the opening day left fielder. He dove for a ball two weeks out and we were going to San Diego and actually uh, separated his shoulder. So separates his shoulder and so Corbin came to me and said hey like you're you know you're gonna be starting now and um you know it's it's you know gives me some chills it's like wow like I wasn't even supposed to be starting my first you know game of my college career ended up had a good weekend man um and uh yeah I think I started every game from that first game on and that's when Tony Kent was born <laughs> that's when the legend was yeah. made and then yeah and then so you guys made it to the College World Series that year. First ever Vanderbilt team to make it to the College World Series. And you guys lost to Florida th that year? Dude, we had – we went 54-12 and 12 that year. And five of our losses were to Florida. Florida, the team that had Nolan Fontana and Preston Tucker, who you later on became teammates with. And they just never let you live that down, did they? Dude. and Mike Zanino and Nick Miranda and Ro Paco Rodriguez, man, they had, a, they had big leaders on that team, man. Like they were stacked and we beat, they, they came to our place. They beat us two out of three. Then we met them up. We met them up in the uh, SEC championship game in Hoover, Alabama, beat us in the championship game for our third loss of the season and then meet them up in Omaha and they beat us twice. So for our, for our fifth and final loss to end our season. So, they just had our number that year, man. Uh, we had a squad. We had Sonny Gray, uh, Kirk Casale, uh, Mike Skrimsky on that 2011 team. We had some, you know, we had some big league talent as well. Um, Taylor Hill, but yeah, we just couldn't pull it off. But man, that experience of just going to the College World Series was, um, it was, I can't put it into words because opening up to a new stadium, you know, I always had dreams of going to Rosenblatt. Mm -hmm. And now I was, I was, I remember being, you know, 19 years old and, you know, 20 reporters come up to me after uh, our last practice before our first game. And they're like, you know, you're going to be the first batter ever in TD Ameritrade ballpark. What do you think about that? And I was like, I had never, I had never even thought about that. Wow. Um, yeah. So funny story is I actually uh, swung at the first pitch of the, of the new stadium. Heck yeah. You better. Shoot. And, and, <laughs> And when I swung, I hit a foul ball, and the left fielder actually gave the ball away. So, you know, like, you're supposed to, like, catch the first ball, give it to the umpire. The left fielder grabbed the ball and tossed it to the stands. And um, I, heard, I, I heard a story that the couple who had caught that foul ball negotiated with TD Ameritrade that if they give this ball back, you know, because it was going to be, like, in the, you know, TD Ameritrade, you know, museum, whatever, they said, we, that we want two tickets to every World Series games for the rest of our lives. And they agreed to it. I mean, yeah, because it's not For like they person. really exactly. built that stadium it, anyways. Yeah, we'll we'll give you two seats way in the back. You guys can handle that all day. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, I guess they got tickets for life. And next pitch I bunted, uh, got on, ended up scoring the first run. And, uh, man, it was uh, – I just felt like, you know, I 
was just another day at the playground. You know what I mean? Except it was 40,000 people. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you, so you don't, you don't win it that year. You lose to your future friends going to Florida. What impacted Vandy and your teammates and that program and the coaches? What impact did that have on you for your future? Not only in baseball, but you as a man, because I, I remember standing next to you when we do the national anthem, you know, at the baseball games and you would stand just like you were taught yeah. to stand at Vanderbilt. You know, everybody does it the same. We're a team where that, you know, you, you stand like you, like you hold the roll of, roll of quarters in your, yeah. in your hands, you know, chest out, proud. So what impact did, did, did that program and those coaches have on you as a baseball player and also you for like as a man? Yeah, I mean, you already hinted at it. Um, you know, just simple things as standing for the anthem. And, um, you know, Corbin's dad was in the military, so he has a lot of, um, you know, you know, pride for that flag. And he, he, he instills a lot of things that, you know, as a man, as you're growing up and getting older, um, some coaches really don't teach. And so when we have our first meeting every year um, as a team, it's about three to four hours long. And what Corbin does is, you know, he gives us a notebook, we're in a classroom and, you know, he wants us to write notes. And throughout the year, we would watch Band of Brothers and certain things that would let you know about like, hey, this is not about you. And, um, and I kind of, you know, more and more, my, once I got drafted, my, my brother and my dad are actually nervous that I wasn't going to do good in pro ball because I was such a team oriented person that they were like, hey, you know, it's pro ball, it's dog eat dog, like you have to just do yourself. And, and I kind of didn't really agree with them because in this game, I'm a firm believer that you, it's little things like this, runner on second base, no outs, you're in AAA, and you're rolling over to the right side to get the guy on third base. You know what I mean? It, and you're 0 for 1. But for the team, you're doing your job that, you know, those are little notes to yourself that those are those unselfish things. And I'll, I'm a firm believer that, you know, that will come back to you later on, you know what I mean, in the baseball, in the baseball realm. So um, that's what I learned from Vanderbilt is that you can still, you know, in baseball, you can still be do your selfish things, get yours. But you also, you know, those is that's how you in, incorporate yourself into the team and you know, moving runners over and sacrificing yourself because in the minor leagues, it's like at the end of the day, anybody, just, they just look at the numbers anyway. Right. And so um, that's where I started bunting more. That's where I started, you know, moving guys over more. And that's how I just, you know, Vanderbilt really taught me just to, you know, work as a team. And uh, um, Corbin doesn't talk too much about baseball in that first meeting. It's all about academics. And he says, Hey, if you, if you struggle in the classroom, you're not stepping foot on this baseball field. And um, our freshman year, you have to have 10 hours of study hall. So Sunday to Sunday, if you don't log 10 hours um, and you come up short, the next week you have 15. Wow. So, so academically, he was like, hey, I'm not playing. I'm not playing with any of you guys out here. Like, you have to take care of, you have to take care of your business across the street in the classroom before stepping foot on the baseball field. And you know, man, a lot of a lot of good, talented kids didn't make it. And you just don't hear about those kids anymore. Like they had a tremendous talent, but they're like, man, like I'm going to skip class. No, nah, like 
we had checkers. I skipped, I skipped one class. My buddy, um, Tyson Ashcraft, I skipped one class um, to go to watch him sign to Lipscomb University, which is a high, which is a college in in Nashville, and went went skipped skipped the class. Go see him sign. Get a text from Corbin said, "Hey, um, I was notified that you missed this class. There was a checker because we had random checkers um, that would check our classes, and if you um, if you were if you missed three classes that were checked, you were off the team. And so missed that class to watch my buddy get signed. Got unlucky that there was a checker, but um, after the workout, he said, make sure you see me after the workout today. And I'm like, great. This guy's not so, playing around. He's not playing so, around, man. Yeah. So uh, after the workout was done, everyone leaves. He purposely turns the lights off. He turns off all the lights um, around the field and takes me up to the upper turf where there's a, where the track team runs. And he said, all right, I want you to run two miles. And, um, you know, he's like, that's it. And to this day, I still feel like as he left, I still feel like he was watching to see if I made, like I ran two miles, you know, like eight times around the track because there was no lights on, bro. I was running in the dark. Wow. So, um, yeah, man, he didn't play. And I think, you know, instilling those things about like, Hey, like you need to be, because he knew that all these guys weren't going to play in the major leagues. Like he was making men. He knew that. He knew that. Yeah. He knew that academics were going to be more important. So, uh, yeah, man, they, uh, Vanderbilt shaped me into the guy I am today. I, I still applaud those guys who went out of high school that make it to the MLB, man. I, I, as an 18 year old, I was, I can't imagine going right into pro ball. I was, I was not ready for that. Yeah. It sounds like, you know, the program really made you, into a man you became a man really quick but you grew up and 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 those are like the like your value system starts on that him not standing there watching you run it's just put on you like you could have left right you could have not done that but you know people get rewarded for this all the work that they put in behind closed doors so it's almost like he was teaching you that yeah, you're going to get rewarded for like all the work that you put in and you do everything right. Don't take any shortcuts. Don't run across the middle of the field just so you can get eight, you know, half yeah. laps in. It was, he put it on you and he said, yeah, man. do this and that's it. And then you did it. And that kind of, that kind of made you grow up and be who you needed to be. So true. I didn't even look at it that way, but yeah, you're uh you're completely right, man. I, I, I'd have to agree with you. Yeah. And those mentors and those people that you have in your life that still are in your life today, you know, they became family because they're a big part of your success. And, and it's really important to keep those people in that, in that tight circle because it makes you the, the best person that you can be athlete, person, husband, wife, father, whatever it is. And, and you know, I have, I'm blessed to have amazing people in my life and I will never be able to thank them as much as I would like to because of everything that they've done for me without all them, without my parents, without your parents, like we wouldn't really be who we are today. So it's awesome that we get to hear that and how that kind of molded you, that it, that it wasn't just you all by yourself, that you had help, that you had to be pushed, that you had to be pushed maybe a little harder than you thought that you could be pushed, but all that made you the person that you wanted to be. Yeah, man. And I think that, you know, just 
you know, kind of how we hitting on, man, just being an undersized guy, um, you know, I felt like I just did get overlooked a lot and, um, you know, it was, oh, he's a good, he's a good player, but he's small. I'm like, what does that mean? How can you, like, he's a good player, but he's too fat. He's a good player, but he's too skinny. Like, <laughs> he's a good player, but he hits too many home runs. Like, come on. Yes. So, um, yeah, man. So I'm just, you know, I'm happy that I was like, Corbin saw something in me to just, you know, take me and, um, you know, I struggled, man. Um, after my freshman year, um, going to the College World Series, having a bunch of big leaguers, doing a bunch of things, man. Um, I had a terrible sophomore year. I had a, I hit 260. Um, it was just I put so much pressure on myself because, you know, we had a, I think we had 10 players drafted to go into the, you know, into the professional ranks. And I feel like I just was like, okay, like, I think I need to take this team over, which was the exact opposite of what needed to happen. And uh, hit 260, had a terrible year. Uh, and I was going to the Cape Cod League, man. So, like, I was I was like, dude, I need to get my shit together. Like, I'm about to go face, you know, some of the best – I'm going to go face the best talent there is um, in the college ranks, right? So, meet with Corbin before I leave to go up to the Cape. And I'm like, hey, like, do you have any advice for me? Like, what's like, what do I need to do? And so he said, all right. He said, I want you to put your hands a little higher. You know, I want you to maybe maybe work on a two hand finish so you can finish through the zone a little better. Um, and he was like, and don't put any pressure on yourself. Those three things. And I said, I said, that's it. He said, yeah. <laughs> OK, so end up going up to the Cape, man, um, had a tremendous um host family the green family michelle riley jack don shout out to you guys for hosting me uh you know i still we went up to when we played boston in the alcs i got them tickets and stuff so we still remain close and um you know they gave me the basement to their house for the summer man for the two months and honestly man i was they just made me feel comfortable man and able to if you're off the field, if you can be comfortable and be relaxed, like it takes care of a lot of other stresses that are on the field. And so, man, I just remember working my butt off that freaking summer. Uh, Mike Roberts, who uh, Brian Roberts is his, oh, it's his dad who played for the Orioles, second baseman. Um, yeah, he made me, he made me do early work every day for two months. Um, only guy out there. He had a glove. He had a glove that had weights in the fingers of him, so you could you know, make sure that your hand is flat towards fielding ground balls. So I put that thing on probably, I don't know, freaking 50 to 60 times every day. Um, worked my butt off, had a pretty good summer. Um, ended up being like an all-star at the end and going into my junior year, man, um, just had a tremendous year and got drafted and here we go. Yeah, that's it. it. That's it. And so you're drafted in 2013. 2013 right and in the fifth round were you playing were you playing a game when you got drafted so we were actually we had a team meeting and the draft was going on so it it I wish that the draft would get moved back to after like the college world series and stuff like that man I'm a firm believer in that just because like it's these kids it's last it's a one-time experience it's a one-time one experience. experience and um, you have kids worrying about where they're going to get drafted. And, uh, so Conrad, actually we were in the meeting and Conrad got taken in the fourth round to the Astros right before we left for the field. 
so we're in the locker room. We all jumped on Conrad, who, you know, Conrad, just a, a big goofball. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were excited for him, man. Obviously, he, had, he was having a good year. We knew he wasn't going to come back uh, to Vanderbilt. So, you know, this was like our last couple games with uh, the NAD. And as I'm fielding ground balls, um, our Drew fan, our uh, operations guy, whistled over at me, and he just flashed five and a one. And um, I remember my heart just dropping. And obviously, I knew that meant for fifth round first pick, and I knew that was with the Astros because they had the first pick that year, um, choosing Mark Appel with the first pick. And um, everyone had kind of like once he whistled, everyone had like looked over because they didn't know they wanted to know who it, who was getting drafted. So uh, after the drill was over, man, like got pretty much mobbed on the on the pitching mound and stuff by my teammates and Coach Corbin off this off to the side gave me a big hug and I think he knew in his heart that I probably wasn't coming back for another year and you know he just said hey nobody deserves this more than you um, you know obviously don't let it don't let it take away what's happening right now but um, you know we'll talk about this later. And so uh, I knew he was happy for me, but at the same time, he was still trying to be a coach. Yeah, you had and, that business. You still had business, yeah, unfinished yeah, business yeah. that you had to take yeah. care of. And man, uh, it's still bitter. It still bitters me a little to this day. I can't lie that we weren't the number one national seed after going 26 and three in the SEC, and North Carolina was the number one seed. Ken Emanuel's team was the number one seed that year. So uh, we pulled Louisville, man, and, and we knew Louisville was always a tough, a tough opponent in our super regional. And it was the first time all year that we had lost back-to-back games. And uh, Louisville beat us twice at home my junior year to end my college career, man. Gosh. Dang, Louisville. Yeah. Louisville and Florida. You just uh, – you probably – Louisville and Florida, man. You're probably those never going to root for those two teams again. I will not. <laughs> There's no way. I will not. Um, but it was uh, – I just remember bawling my eyes out after I did my final interview and um, – yeah, man, it was, uh, it's, and then I got, obviously my brother and stuff, you know, they're, they're sad for me, but we bought some Houston Astros hats and we celebrated and then it was kind of like, all right, you know, you have a, you have a new journey that's about to start. Yes. On to the next chapter in your life. And yeah, so getting into pro ball to the draft, signing, you know, getting over all the, all the fun stuff, getting drafted and becoming a professional athlete. And then you start your minor league career. How, how was your minor league career? I, you actually moved up pretty quick because you were um, a yeah. very, a very a mature player. You were ready to go. Obviously, the talent was there, but you were mature. So you moved up pretty quickly, and you got to experience the really, really bad places to play in the minor leagues, and then you got to experience <laughs> some of the funnest places that there, that there are to play. So how did the minor leagues kind of help you know that baseball is not what you really thought it was that that you do have to work even harder and how did that kind of mold you in into the player after bandy or you know after going to vandy what was the minor leagues like for you you know i think the i think the rude awakening was after you leave vandy and you're at the top of sec school top university you know in college you get you know you're at the sc tournament and you get a police escort to every game and um, you get flights to go out to Omaha and you it, with only just the team. And you stay in the nicest hotels in every city that you're about to play in, South Carolina, Auburn, um, Florida. And then you get drafted. And I go to short season, um, obviously ecstatic, man. 
Uh, first team we're playing is the um, Indians organization, which was, I think, was in Ohio at the time. And um, <laughs> and we stayed at, we stayed, our first hotel was at a Motel 8. Oh, so it's an upgrade from the 6. <laughs> upgrade, uh, upgrade from the 6. Wait, there's a Motel 8, right? Or is it oh, just yeah, six? yeah. There's 6, 8, I think. And then okay. it's, just, it's, okay. just, it's just up from there, though. Okay, Motel 6, Motel 8, I know, yeah, and so, um, man, and then you have, you know, you have your roommate, um, he doesn't play anymore, um, I haven't talked to that guy in, in years, actually, I forgot his name, actually, but, you know, they gave me a roommate, um, I, he actually got bed bugs, and so, the first trip I was on, uh, we got a non-smoking room, it smelled, my bed smelled like an ashtray, and um, my roommate got bed bugs. We were swimming. We were swimming in smoke the whole trip. And uh, the best thing to eat, um, you know, no no disrespect to Denny's, but that was the only thing to eat that was around uh, our motel. So that's what we ate. And you know, I think people, you know, people forget. You know, once you get to the big leagues, man, they're like, oh, like he hasn't made and stuff. No, no, no. You don't know what these guys really like have gone through or. You know, that's why I always have I always have a problem when people say he sucks like this guy's in the big leagues, but he sucks. And it's like you have no idea what journey this guy had went through. It's easy for you to be sitting, drinking your Coke, eating your chips on the couch, saying that this guy sucks when he's been grinding to get to where he's at right right now. And so, um, yeah, people don't really see the behind the door, the behind closed doors and that was my first experience of pro ball was my roommate getting bed bugs and um, it felt like my pillow had cigarettes in it. So, wow. That's like, uh, you were, here we go. You were getting off to a good start there, <laughs> especially, especially going from Bandy, pretty much every mm -hmm. single minor league facility minus a couple of the, of the triple a ones is a downgrade to yeah. how Vanderbilt is. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And so, you know, you get used to the long bus trips, and um, when we were in Tri City, we all we all had like little condos that the team kind of hooked us up with. And my room didn't have air conditioning, and sometimes Conrad would forget to. I, I room with Andrew Thurman and Conrad Gregor, and sometimes I would have to um, get mad at Conrad because my room didn't have the AC unit in it. So if they closed their room, I had no AC. So. There are times where I would wake up at 3 a.m. just sweating. Just I, I had to go, I had to immediately hop in the shower because uh, I was sweating so much. So, um, yeah, man, you really go through it in the minor leagues. It's not just it's not just rainbows, uh, pixie sticks and rainbows. Yeah, no, it's not. It's a it's a grind, but at the same time, you know, you have some of the best experiences in your life, and you meet some of the best oh, yeah. people that you meet, and you're like our wives are friends, people's girlfriends, the support systems that you make, that's probably like the best part of it. And I remember hanging out with, with you and your wife, you know, me and mine and, and others, you know, I think we were, I think we were Sacramento. Remember doing like the horse races, playing, <laughs> playing the cards, you know, just having a good time. You know, I think, I think, yeah, I think we just had a, you know, a good game. We had just won. And I think everybody's wives made like the same trip and, yeah, sack tap. Yeah, yeah. So we had everybody there, and your wife was like, "Let's do the horse races," and we were like, "What is this?" And she goes, "Don't worry, we got it. You just 
you just bet on your horse. So then like she gets into it and she gets into her, you know, um, announcer's voice and, and she's yelling. That's who Misha, that, that's who Misha is. Yes. And she, and we're just having a blast and it's like, and the ace is off and then, and then the hearts and they're going and going and she, and like without her, that game wouldn't have been fun. Cause it's like, I got to drink more. I don't want to do this. We got to wake up and play another game tomorrow. But just, just the enthusiasm that she brought to the table and all of us were just into it. We were just betting on our cards. You know, we were, we were pushing them like, go, go, go. We were pissed when we lost. We were celebrating when we won. And yes. those are the memories yes. that will last forever. And they, yes. and you're never going to lose that. You might lose a game. You might go for four. You might give up the home run. But the memories that you made with the, with the people that you have in your life, that's just that's just the yeah the best part dude I, I 100% agree with you they're lasting and you know as much as you know we talk about being at the field I think that it's good to have that separator man to just um you know sometimes this game you know how it is it can consume us and um you know we'll get more into it we'll get more into it in a second but you know how you know how all that goes yeah yeah so you know minor leagues is you know, it's the minor leagues. People know how it is, whatever it is, you know. So yeah. you get called up in 2016. That was that yeah. was the year where um, I had surgery. So I had to miss it. I wasn't there for you. And uh, th that kind of sucked. But you get called up 2016. No, wait, real quick, real quick, wait, real quick, real quick. I have to ask you. So um, I was talking to Mish and I was just, you know, um, I think the biggest thing for change right now in this world is, to empathize with someone on the deepest level as you can, just to feel what they feel. And obviously I don't want to harp on it too much, but you know, I don't think a lot of people know that you were about to get called up before you had your surgery. So like, tell me a little bit about that. I know that this is like supposed to be about me. I don't want to talk too much about myself, but like, tell me about that experience and like how you dealt with that because you were shoving at the time like you were nasty the cutter was on like you were pretty much unhittable as our closer and i knew that dyer had been talking to us and like we knew that you were probably got about to get called up so like t like before you got hurt so like tell me tell me kind of what played into that so you know 2014 is when i really kind of started to figure it out and doug brokale who was our pitching coach that year is hands down the person that really made me feel confident in myself I had a great year there I went to the fall league I continued that I dominated the fall league I put up great numbers and I was a guy that I had to do that you know I wasn't I wasn't the first mm -hmm. round guy I had to go dominate in order for them to kind of see like oh like this kid's actually pretty good um yeah. so you know and I always I always I always admired that from you I feel like me and you um, always had that chip on our shoulder. Like it would come off as like, I don't think it would come off as like we were arrogant, but like we just, we were, we knew that how good we were and we wanted to be better. So like always, that's why I think me and you always kind of got along because we both had that same chip, you know? Yeah. And once you get the confidence in yourself that you can do it, that's, that's like one of the most important things you can really hit the ground running. And when you are that you want to, you want to kind of help everybody else get on that same level. W whenever I was at my best, I was, I was helping all the teammates as much as they could. So they can feel that same feeling that, that I had, you know, I didn't want to be selfish and be like, Oh yeah, this guy pitches bad because more opportunity for me. I didn't see it like that. Whenever I was pitching my best, I wanted everybody else to have 
that same success. And it's, exactly. it's one of the most amazing feelings that there is. So all through that year, that's kind of how I, I felt about it. And then, you know, 2015, getting to play for my hometown Grizzlies, having my parents and, you know, all my friends and national AAA national champions. Yes. <laughs> and that year was, you know, awesome. And um, as I look back on it now, I wish that I would have enjoyed it a little bit more, just kind of being home with my family, yeah. playing in front of some of the people that watched me as a kid. But, you know, yeah. we're we're just so hyper-focused on that one goal. You know, make it to the big leagues and you have baseball and that's it. So that's that's probably one of the things that I wish I would have kind of did a little differently. But, like, okay. it's it's not going to change really me as a person. So that year, I was blessed to have a great year. I had... I had great teammates. I was I was in the right mentality every game and I just built on it and had a lot of success. And through that year, my agent would call me and be like, hey, you know, next week. So can like probably from like May all the way through, he would tell me, you know, like yeah. and and we and we knew playing behind you, we knew, bro. We were like, Oh, Tyson's about to go to the show. Like it's and it was and it was fun, man. I loved it. I had a blast. And I made the all-star team that year. And I, I remember talking with my agent because you get all the all the cool gear when you make an all-star team from, yes, from wherever your sponsor yes. is. So like I got, you know, like all the cool cleats. And he told me after the all-star game, because I went pitched, I think the third out, I struck out Jackie Bradley Jr., which is awesome because he's obviously one of the best players in the in the big leagues. And I was talking to my agent before the all-star game. He was telling me that after the all-star game that because he was talking to our farm director and he said that hopefully that when the farm director came into Fresno after the all-star game, that like, I wasn't there. So that like, I'm thinking like, Oh yes. Right. You know, after the all-star game, like I'm going to be in the big leagues, but you know, I was still focused. It, it wasn't like anything changed. I was still there. And then, you know, came back from the all-star game. It didn't happen right then, but still like, I still kept doing it, still kept having fun with, with uh, all of yeah. you guys. And I remember, so my last outing, it was like, the beginning of August, probably like August, like 15th or something like that. And this is when Quentin, our, um, our farm director was in town. And I think I had just pitched that game, pitched pretty good. And after the game, he, when I was leaving, he goes, Hey man, like, you know, just keep doing what you're doing. I'm proud of you. You're doing it. Like, you know, like just real soon, you're like, just keep waiting. Like it'll happen for you. And then he said, like, if it doesn't happen in the next few days, like uh, September for sure, it's there. And I was just like, awesome, you know, because I had been waiting all year for it. And then yeah. we go to, we went to Iowa and on the flight, my, my elbow was just like a little bit tight. And I was like, what the heck? And we went to the field the next day and I was playing catch and it kind of just still felt tight. It didn't feel good. And I went and saw Baca, our trainer, probably one of the best tr baseball trainers that there is. He did some work on me and I had to ask our pitching coach for a day. I said, you know, I, I need a day. And he's like, yeah, no problem. And then like the next day I went to him again. I was like, you know, like, I'm just really tight. You know, I need, if I can get one more day, that would be great. And then, so he's like, yeah. And then I tried to throw a bullpen after that game and I just, you know, kind of got through it. Didn't really feel great. And our manager called me in after the game and he said, I was watching you throw a pin and you know, you keep doing this with your arm. What's, what's going on. And, you know, I, I just kind of told him all this and um, he he made me see the doctor right then, right then and there. And, you know, kind of told me that you don't, you don't want to push it and, you know, kind of ruin your career, all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I, I was actually in the shower 
thinking, you know, because I was, I was watching, I was, I was washing my hair and it would hurt. You know, I would feel it in, in my elbow when I would wash my hair and I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm just like, man, if I can just wear it, like, what if I just say I'm fine? What if I can just wear it for, you know, like a couple more games, you know, like I'll just, you know, rub a bunch of red hot on it, whatever it takes. This is in 2015 when we, 15. So this was the year that, that we won the national championship. And and you're thinking in the shower, you're like, how can I just tough this yes, through? Yes, how can I just get it and just get there? And then, you know, maybe it'll go away, get through the season and get some rest. Because I had went, I had went full season and then I went to winter ball and then I came back, went full season. And then I went to the fall league and then I came back. I pitched in big league camp a bunch. So you know that you're there a lot earlier pitched that whole year so that was like two years of me just going like nonstop. so I was just thinking to myself I just need I just need rest I just need time and I was talking to some of the other players that had you know kind of like some elbow injuries and stuff and kind of talking about what does it feel like if you have to have Tommy John what does it feel like if it's just like a strain so I thought it was just a strain so I'm like I'm I'm just gonna try to wear it this and that and I tried to throw a bullpen again and like, I just couldn't really do it. And they made me get an, an MRI and everything. And when you're playing professional sports, the, like all the doctors and everything come, come quick, you know, like if, if I'd go get an MRI right now, you know, like a, a regular person, it'd take like week, two weeks to, 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 yeah, to get the results. Right, so right. I remember having the MRI and like two hours after that, Baca had the results and was telling me, and he said, yeah, you, you have like a 75% tear and we're going to put a, a really, a really like harsh rehab plan for you, you know, like in place this year's done and, and, and all that. And I was just like crushed. And then, so I wasn't going to have, I wasn't going to have surgery right off the bat. And then like uh, 30 minutes later, I think after he talked with, you know, Lou now and you know, like all the doctors and, and stuff, they thought that surgery was probably the best option that, even if I did come back, like, you know, it was going to happen, all this stuff. So like, I, it was just a, a tough oh, time, man. but I'm sorry. Man. It's not, it's like looking back on it, you know, like it made me who I am today. So I can't, I can't really say that like regret it or, you know, like I wish I would have done something different because I didn't, I didn't do anything different. Exactly. You know, I, I crushed my rehab all year. I, I came back 2017 and they still stuck with me, you know, invited me back to big league camp. I went to big league camp and hit the ground running again. You know, I, I think I struck out the side in my, in my second game. Like I was pitching good, you know, coaches liked me, everything. I was in big league camp for the you know whole entire time. Yeah. And they, they told me, you know, when I got, when I got sent down to a triple A to start the season, they were like, time, just be ready. Cause you never know when it's, when it's going to happen. And I just kind of put, you know, like too much pressure on myself. I didn't get off to the best start. I, I probably wasn't, you know, a hundred percent healthy, even though I felt like I was physically healthy, you know, like my, my stuff wasn't there. And, you know, I just, I just kind of struggled during that, during that whole year. And that's, that's kind of what led to my end with, with the Astros. But like, I can't, I can't say that it was bad like yes it, it it was a time in my life oh you crushed it and like you crushed it and like you put every like bro i saw like 
I would always see like when we would get done, like you would always be like one of the last pitchers to come in, like drenching sweat, like coming in from Fresno and like, you know what I mean? And I just, I think, I just want people to know like the work you put in and um, yeah, man, I, I, there was days that I would look at you and there's days in AAA that I would be like, man, I'm not going to go to the cage today. And then what do I know? I see Tyson Perez walking in face full of sweat and I'm like, get your ass up and go to the cage. <laughs> so like, man, like you, you probably don't know it, but like you inspired me to be a better player. And like, that's, um, that's what it's all about. Like I never, I never was going to come up and tell you, Hey man, you were sweating. So I went to the cage. Like, I feel like, you know, it's a nice, it's a good time now to like, kind of like talk about it and say like, Hey man, like you were actually a guy that I saw that would work his butt off every day. And like, you made me get up some days when, I'm dragging because man, there's, you know, 140 some games in the minor leagues and, you know, you're not going to be a hundred percent every day. And, you know, sometimes you do need that boost. So um, yeah, man, you were that boost sometimes when I needed it. I appreciate that, man. That means, that means, that means so much to me. And the, like the things that I learned playing and people that I got to be around and everything that I did, it revolved around baseball. It revolved around me wanting to get to the highest level, me wanting to be the best that I can be. So, you know, all the books that I read, like everything that I did, it actually molded me into the man that, that I am today. Like it changed my life more than yeah. it just changed my baseball career. So like, I, I am thankful for that because without those struggles and without everything that I did, I, I, I really wouldn't be who I am today. And I wouldn't be going in the direction that, that I am going now. So like the bad times in our life, you know, happen for a reason and it doesn't matter what happens to you. It matters what you do about it. So like we yeah. might, we might 100%. have to go different paths, but like, I hope that we're the still stay the same person and we both achieve the same success. It doesn't have to be in baseball. It doesn't have to be like with your business. It doesn't have to be anything, but that you, that you achieve, you know, the highest level and that you achieve your goals in life, whatever it is. And that, and that anybody can do it. And you're one of like, you know, like the prime examples being, you know, an uh, undersized guy, you know, saying that you don't have the arm to play in the outfield. So we got to put you at, at, at second base. And, but <laughs> you're one of the best outfielders that there is. So like everybody told you, you know, all your weaknesses, Oh, you're undersized. Oh, yeah. you know, he's athletic but you know, he's not a base dealer. He's, he's not the fastest guy in the league. And so <laughs> yeah. you just like worked on your strengths, you know, playing hard every single day, being a team player. And I feel that a lot of people don't know what their true strengths are and they don't work on them to make them better. They listen to all the people that are telling them what they're bad at and they work on the things yeah. that are bad at and they forget what actually made them the player or, you know, the boss or the CEO, what actually made them successful. And you are, you are, you, you are the prime example. You put your strengths out front and that's what made you successful being, being the person that you are being the, the team player. And I think that you are the perfect example that, you know, anybody can do it, that you have the strengths yeah. and you have the power within you and you figure out who you are, what you want, and you just go do it. And that's it. That's it. Yeah. And, and I told, and that's what I kind of tell kids, you know, when I go to camps is that, Hey, like there will always be people to doubt you. Like, 
and it's easy to be a critic, right? It's easy to point at the guy who's working his tail off to say like, hey, he sucks, right? Like what we just talked about. And you have to focus on your strengths, man. And I just wanted to silence the noise. That's why I would have that caption, silence the noise. Silence, you know, sometimes, sometimes it is important to take those little things that writers say and keep them with you, but everything else just like blow it off to the wind because if you harp on all those negative things that people say about you, you're going to think that they're, they're true. And, you know, no one knows that you were in the cage at, you know, midnight doing this or doing that. And, uh, it, it just hits on a different level, man, because, you know, like you said, like, they're like, well, his arm is too weak in the outfield or, you know, he doesn't hit for enough power or, uh, will his five, six frame last in a full season? which I didn't even know what that meant at the time. Yeah, because in your mind, you're about six foot four. Yeah, and so um, that's what I talked to, you know, that's what I would tell Corbin, Coach Corbin, if he would like, you know, I feel like your presence on the field is, you know, you're six five on the field. And I always, I was like, wow, I kind of like how he said that. And so I always believed in that. Um, I would turn the five six into a six five. I would always just switch my, switch my height around. And uh, that's what pretty much, man, like, and even going in the fifth round, um, you know, personally, I never really shared this with anyone, but still going in the fifth round after being, you know, SC player of the year, still kind of put another chip on my shoulder because what I can remember the last time SEC player of the year was taken, you know, after, you know, after the second round or something like that. Right. So, you know, me going into the fifth round, I feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I feel like that just made the chip even bigger. Um, because I still feel like, you know, I was, I was being doubted a little bit and I just wanted to, you know, just continue to work hard and just, you know, be the best player I could be. And you are one of the, one of the people that when you failed or, you know, you had a bad game or you were kind of in a struggle, you really learned from that. Like you were one of the people that it's, you, you either win or you learn that you never really lose in this game. And you know, like, but yeah. if you don't learn from your failures, then you're not really making that progress. You're not really growing. And you were the guy you know, like when you would be struggling, you wouldn't let it uh, affect you very much on the outside, even though maybe on the inside you were, you were kind of struggling with it, you know, to, right. to try to figure it out. But you looked at it as I either win or I learn. And I'm, and I'm so thankful for the struggles that I have because I get to learn from them. I get to grow. So uh, how does your faith have an impact on you? Like your faith in yourself, like your faith in God. I remember, you know, one of, my, one of my favorite speakers, Les Brown, says that faith is the oil that takes the friction out of living. So how does, ah. how does your faith in, in yourself, in your abilities, um, in the universe, in, in God, how does that help you kind of um, achieve the things that you want to achieve? Yeah, so ever since I got baptized when I was uh, in fourth grade, um, my grandfather had just died, and I, you know, I remember it so vividly, man. I had I had perfect attendance from kindergarten to fourth grade, and I'd always get this um, perfect attendance award. And once he died, that's actually when the first time I ever missed school. And um, I remember just talking to my mom and saying, "Hey, how can I see Grant? How can I see Papa again?" 
And she said, you know, you give your, you know, you give your life to Christ and believe that he died for all of the bad things, like all of the sins that we have done and, you know, going to Sunday school and I, I believed in it. And, you know, I'm obviously thankful for my mom for sitting me down and, you know, yeah, parents are important, man. And she sat me down, told me, got baptized. And, um, you know, ever since that day, man, that's when, you know, Christ started living in me and, um, honestly, you can feel it. And, you know, your faith is what on those dark days that you don't think you can keep going is, is who you rely on, who you pray to. And, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to, you know, ever shove religion or anything down someone's throat. Like that's not what religion is supposed to be. It, you know, it's, it's all faith-based, right? Like it's all, um, you know, people ask me, you know, why do you believe in God? I was like, well, it's like, it's a faith thing. It's all in your heart and you can't really explain what faith is. All you can do is give someone a Bible, give someone some ex excerpts and say, Hey, here, be the judge for yourself. And so being able to always be in like fellowship of Christian athletes and always do that through college. And, um, when you're going through struggles, like you, sometimes when you're going through struggles, God is the first person that you say, you're like, God, like, please help me to get through this. Um, and it's funny, sometimes you put God on the back burner, but once you start struggling, he's the first person that you call for. And I always, you know, I, I want to be a person that can always say that I rely on whether the good or through the bad. And um, that's kind of where it started, man, fourth grade. And then I led through it from high school um, to college, you know, being a part of Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh it's just it's something that it's it's tough to explain because um it is faith-based and um you know there's no there's no i can reach out and touch god right it's all um it's all faith and uh i think when you go through those struggles and being able to have god in your life that's that's what gets me through yeah i think that you you know when we when we talk, you know, I talk about faith and stuff and you know, hit on it. We always want to pray to God when we're struggling, how we put him on the back burner and say, God, please help us. You know, please help me get through this tough time. We need to be thankful for that tough time. And we need to talk to God during our, our best times. Like we can't just, you know, turn to our faith when we're struggling and just be like, oh, help me. But then when we're doing good, you're not, you're not thankful for all the same things. So like, I, I think that it's, exactly. that it's very, very important to be thankful for everything. Thankful for your wins, thankful for your losses, thankful for your struggles. Like say thank you in advance for what's already yours. I remember Denzel Washington saying that one time is just, just to say thank you for everything, for the bad times, for the struggles. And it's not just when everything is going good, you have to say thank you for when everything is going bad also. Yes, yes. I agree with that, man. Yeah, man, you got it. You got it. So, so let's get to the, let's get to the big leagues, man. How, how was that? How did you, <laughs> um, when you got called up, like, first off, where were you playing? Where were you guys playing? Where did, um, where'd you find out, you know, did uh, a Tony D kind of do his, you know, little deal? Tony how did D. You, how'd you find out? And what was that experience like for you? You know what, actually, you know, he's had some pretty in-between call-up stories, but this one was, this one was pretty cool. So, um, we're playing in Nashville, um, obviously 30 minutes from where I grew up in Franklin. So we were actually playing the Nashville Sounds, um, but we were on like a seven game losing streak. And I had about 
that series, that three game series, I probably put a total three game series, probably close to 110, 115 people for a three game set. So this particular game was probably 42 people on the pass list. And so it was a day game, just finished our day game. We had lost. I'm on the right field line talking to some of my old teachers that I went to Freedom Middle School. Some of my teachers, I put them on the pass list. They came with their kids and stuff. So visiting with some of those, my dad was there, brother was there. And uh, Nolan Fontana actually ran out and said, hey, uh, we're having a team meeting, man. Like, sorry to be that guy. And I got it because we had like lost seven straight games. So I was like, okay, yeah, Tony D is probably pissed and wants to talk to us. And so uh, I told my I told my friends and family I said hey I'll be back you know in a second so we ran from the right field line over to the, the third base dugout um, you know and that's where the clubhouse is behind the dugout so ran up there I was the last one in closed the door and uh, sat down and Tony D went on a spiel of like you know we need to play team ball better we need to be better you know how Tony D is and um, you know then he looked at me and he said and I feel like we need to you know clean up some of the stuff off the field like Tony you have 40 something people on the pass list um you know I feel like that's kind of taken away you know you're worried about who's on the pass list and you know that's taken away from your game and he said you know tomorrow tomorrow I don't want anybody on the pass list for you here I don't want anyone on the pass list for you and I'm like why and he's like well okay I'll, I'll let you you know you can have people on the pass list but you're gonna have to tell them if they want to see you play you're gonna have to put them on the pass list in Chicago because you're joining the big league team uh, playing against the White Sox tomorrow. And I like, I wish I had like a, <laughs> I wish I had a photographer that is in that a room. Pretty, man. I that just, is a pretty good one. That's, that's probably. That's what I, that's what I, like, I have to add, add a Tony D. I didn't, I didn't think that he would pull that off. Yeah, but he's he pulled sneaky, that off. He sneaky has some good ones. And I think that one, you, you know, might yeah. top it, but you can always tell when like somebody was going to get called up for this for the first time, because he would make it sound bad. And, you know, and then he, he would, yeah. and, and then he would always. always, you know, kind of turn that, you know, around where people were like, what's going on? Like, are we in trouble? Like, oh, here we go. He's, you know, on this rant again. And then all of a sudden it's just like, <laughs> wait, what? And then everybody just, just like mobs them and, you know, like the celebration yeah. starts. And so, um, I mean, I think at the time, man, it was my, it was 2016. Um, it was my last year. Before, like next year was the real five year. So, like, I just wanted to have a good season. I wasn't on the 40-man. I just wanted to have a good season um, to put myself in a good enough case to where I would be on the 40-man the, the next year, right? So I wasn't concerned with getting called up because Nolan Fontana was on the 40-man. Andrew Applin was on the 40-man. Um, there's a bunch of – there's other guys that, you know, there's infielders, outfielders that were on the 40-man. And so me getting called up just totally shocked me, took me by surprise. Um you know, so then once I found out, gave a bunch of hugs to my you know, teammates, went back out and I uh, actually got to tell my brother and my dad that we were going to, you know, be in the big leagues, you know, the next day. And uh, yeah, I, I end up crying with my dad in the stands right there. Um, he just, you know, I told him, I just said, you know, he just said, congratulations. And I blame him because he started crying first. And then um, I just said, yeah, you know, all those packed lunches, all those Gatorades and those long trips, you know, they paid off, man. And uh, we just cried for probably like five minutes there together with my brother. And, you know, we had a moment. And uh, the next day we had an off day in Chicago. So we kind of kicked it and then um, get to Chicago, man. Uh, I had to go to 
I had to go to Macy's because I didn't have a suit or anything. So I went to Macy's. I remember they had this sale to where you could get uh, two suits for 300 bucks. So I got a Navy suit and a gray suit for 300 bucks. And I was like, they weren't fitted at all. They weren't, you weren't making the money yet. You were still on no, a minor uh, league salary. <laughs> yeah. So they were straight off the, straight off the rack. Um, they had, uh, <laughs> my sleeves were kind of coming over my knuckles, you know what I mean? Like, and so, uh, yeah, it was an awesome experience. Um, first time I got into the big league game, uh, Tyler White hit a double. And so I pinch ran for him at second base. Ended up getting the third, Jose Altuve flies out to center. Uh, my first run scored was Jose hit me in. And uh, I remember just running from third base to home and just saying, just don't trip. And just, I don't really think I felt my legs going from third base to home, but um, did that. That was cool. And next day got my first start against Matt Latos. Um, hit a double on the first pitch I saw and uh, had my brother, my brother, I told my brother, I was like, man, you need to come sleep over like in this yeah. hotel with me. Like we stayed in the, if you ever look up the peninsula in Chicago, it's like the, it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been the, there. The epitome I've of been there. So, um, you know, the whole room is controlled by an mm -hmm. iPad. And so, my brother, uh, he came over and uh, I still had I still had the receipt. I think I threw it away. I kept it for at least four years. But uh, we went through like 230 bucks of the mini bar that night, and we got absolutely celebration. It's like it was one of those things. That, yeah, we, it was one of those things that we were just like, man, like I couldn't have spent another day in the big leagues. But you know, we were yes, we did lived it, right? in that so, moment right there. In that moment, we that's, lived it. So it was, it was cool. And then playing in the big yeah. leagues and kind of kind of having to deal with going up and down playing at the peak and then you know kind of going down it's it's tough to keep yeah. up that same like that same motivation to get better when you when you get sitting back back down to the minor leagues and, and it's tough so yeah. like, I'm sure that yeah. that you've kind of developed a routine or some or some rituals that you, you know kind of get you up whether it's you know like first thing that you do when you wake up you know, like for you as a person or like the things that you do you know, you know, like to get you get you ready for the game because not every game is you know a huge game. Even in the big leagues, you know, sometimes you know you, you have a day game and you have a flight right after that, and your mind's kind of thinking about day, yeah. you know after the game, and you're not really focused on there. So, what routines have you kind of developed for yourself over the years that allow you to get into that peak performance and that peak player every every night? Yeah, man. So for me, it's just always that mentality of like to win. And um, I never I feel like, you know, I always keep a notebook wherever I go. So like I always, you know, it just says keep that chip. And, you know, it just reminds me of the days, um, you know, because it, it wasn't the easiest journey, man. I wasn't a I wasn't a top, with like, you know, we weren't top 100 prospects. We weren't really on prospect lists, man, me and you. Um, and so you know, when I get called up in 16, man, it's, I feel like it's easy. It's easy once you're in the big leagues and you can play every day and you can get that rhythm. But I wasn't, I was a spot start guy. Um, the third day in the big leagues, I was supposed to, uh, Chris Sale was pitching and I was supposed to have the day off because Colby Rasmus was supposed to play, but Colby Rasmus, he was like, I'm not going to, he's like, uh, coach, I want to sit this one out. So he was, he was going to sit out against Chris sale. So I, uh, he I just found didn't want to face Chris sale. <laughs> yeah. So probably three hours before the game, 
uh, our bench coach came up to me and said, hey, Kemp, you're, uh, you're starting in left field tonight. I said, against Chris Sale? He was like, yep, All right, let's him. do it. I said, I said, all right. I didn't strike out. I went over three, but I didn't strike. He didn't punch my ticket. <laughs> um, and so, um, and so like the, these experiences of what I had to go through in the big leagues was I was only really like in that pinch hit role, like that lefty off the bench. So like I would get five pinch hits in a week and be over five. And I remember going back to my apartment, sitting on my Norma text and just being like, man, like, okay, like, I know I'm not, I know I'm better than this. I know I'm better than this. But throughout my whole minor league career, I was always a starter. I would always start. I always knew I was going to get 500 at-bats in a season. And so now being on the biggest stage and not getting those consistent at-bats, then I had to figure out, okay, what is your mentality going to be knowing you're not going to get these at-bats? And how can you flush all of the negatives going into the next day? So then, man, like how we said, all these struggles have kind of led me into the player I am today. And then 2017 um, is when, you know, <laughs> I get, I feel like I'm giving you some good stuff, but um, 2017 is after that um, spring training, um, you know, I, I was getting sent down and, you know, obviously we were in Florida and it was, it was AJ Hinge and it was it was Lunau in the uh, in the yeah meeting. and I think because you were on the forty man at this time so you got sent down before me like kind of in the middle of spring training yeah. so like all of my friends yeah. are just getting sitting back down and I'm stuck left with Keiko Brian McCann all these people that like I look up to you know just, just kind of sitting <laughs> in my corner of the locker room and I'm losing all my friends yeah so you know get called they said hey you know Camp like uh, Hinch wants to see you and so. I said, all right, obviously I know I was getting sent down. And so they said, hey, like you've had a good spring. Like, you know, obviously you're going to be starting out in AAA this year, but you're going to help our team this year. And, you know, this was in this was in 2017. And that's when I kind of told, um, you know, AJ just asked me, we have a great relationship uh, now. Uh, he's actually been a huge supporter in the plus one effect. And um, he just said, hey, do you have anything that you want to say? And obviously sitting with like Lunau sitting there, our GM, I didn't really think about it until afterwards, but I just told AJ, I said, Hey man, like you have to understand that you have to understand that when you have rookies come up, like we didn't really know our role. Like, obviously we knew that we were going to be pinch hitting and we knew that we weren't going to be getting everyday starts, but I just said, Hey, like for the guys after me, for the Kyle Tucker's, or, um, you know, the first round picks that come up that you want to do well, like you need to tell these guys what their role is because there's times where I felt like I was in the dark, man. And um, I just said, hey, like you just, I feel like we just need to have a little better communication of like what our role is. Like, I feel like I wasn't trying to um, say it in a negative way. I was just trying to be constructive with it. And, uh, you know, after that meeting, he kind of came up to me and said, hey, like, I, I really do appreciate that. And, um, you know, obviously we didn't, you know, I took that because our team was having, our team was having such a good time in the big leagues in 17 that um, I knew that I was pretty much going to be in AAA the whole year unless there was injuries. So um, that's when I just decided to not really care about the big leagues at the time and take care of myself and um, ended up leading the AAA in hits that year and um, 
you know, the next year breaking the triples record for Fresno and, you know, doing a bunch of good things um, just because I was able to focus on myself. Got the September call up, which obviously only, um, you know, two position players, me and Whitey were the only position players to get called up in September. And uh, there was one pitcher, Gudwan, who was, it was only us three. So um, that experience was good. Led me into 18, got sent down again, man. Uh, didn't make the team. And obviously that was my last option. So then when I got called up, um, when I got called up in 18, I was doing pretty well. And man, I just knew that was my last shot with the Astros. I said, okay, well, all right. Well, like you have, this is your last year of options. And, you know, if you don't do well this time, then you're not, it's, you know, you can write your career off because that's how the big leagues is, man. It's not the, it's not the try league, man. Anybody can go up there and try. It's, it's the get it done league. And, uh, you know, that's when I went up there and, uh, had a couple big hits, got some starts. Um, and that was kind of on my breakout year in 2018. And, um, you know, obviously went and played in the ALCS and, uh, lost to the Red Sox, but that's the year that I feel like I got a, a lot under my belt and learned as a player and learned that all the struggles, um, they do make you a better player in the, in the end. And I don't think that people don't understand that physically, yes, you fail three, you know, set, you know, if you're successful three out of 10 times, that's great. But those other seven failures, people don't talk about. And what that does min min like for your mental is tough too. So um, I think that mentally you need to be stronger than you are physically in my, in my opinion. And it helped me build my um, mental strength more through those years in the big leagues of 16, 17 and 18, you know, then leading up into 19 man. And um, you know, got my first walk-off home run and uh, that was cool. But I, I wasn't doing well, man. I had, I was, I would get two, like one or two starts a week. Um, and it was hard to keep up with, man. And I feel like um, at the end of the year, I look back and I had, um, I had the highest line drive percentage of my career and the lowest batting average of my career. And it was just one of those years, man, one of those weird years that um, the ball just really didn't fall my way, but that's changing this year. Trust oh me. yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, and so um, after that happened, uh, Carlos was on the DL, and then I get uh, – me and Whitey both got DFA'd uh, by the Astros. Uh, you know, our, our course had kind of run with the Astros of being there for three three years. And um, then I get picked up by the Cubs. Um, got a couple starts, but mostly pinch hits as well. And then, uh, man, just blessed to be able to get traded to the A's. And, you know, they're going to give me an opportunity to, you know, run out there and actually get – like some consistent at bats. And I think that's um, makes it takes more pressure off yourself. So uh, yeah, man, it's been a journey up until this point, but I, like I, like you said, like I wouldn't change anything because, you know, those humbling experiences is what makes you a better baseball player. So um, yeah, all, all, all that, all that. And when, stuff. and when, you know, talking about, you know, baseball, if you succeed three out of 10 times, you're doing, you're doing pretty good, you know, <laughs> and you're failing seven times, but, if you look at it that way, it's kind of in like a negative way. Or if you kind of switch it around and you look, okay, yes, I succeeded three times. And then now I have seven opportunities for me to grow, you know, for, yeah. for me to get better. And these struggles, you know, are going to help you and they are going to make you better. And if you look at it as the times that you failed and you say like, this is going to make me better because, you know, I'm going to learn from it. 
then you're just going to, you're going to be able to handle anything. You're going to be able to have all the success that you want in the world. And success doesn't have anything to do with money. You know, people think that, you know, being successful is just having a bunch of money and getting to do all, all, the, all yes. the things that you want to do. And it doesn't because, yes, and there's people all over the world that have all, more money than they can even need. And they're not truly happy. They're, yep. they're, money does not buy no, happiness. Yes. I promise. And you're an asshole, you know, to your wife, to your kids, like to whatever it is, yeah. you know. So to have true success, kind of like how you are doing in, in every single aspect of your life, it's, it's not just about money for you. It's not just about base, baseball for you. Yes, that is your focus, but you want to be the most well-rounded person. And I know, you know like when I do... Yes. do my reviews you know i kind of mess around talking about well-rounded you know like individuals as a joke but that's truly what yeah. i want to be is the most well-rounded person i can be i want to be the best husband i want to have you know all my finances in order i want to be in the best shape yes. i want to be like the healthiest person that i can be and hearing it from you and how we're kind of in different paths of our life, but we're doing the same thing and we're learning yeah. the same way and we're growing the same way. And that just, that just makes me feel awesome, man. Yeah, man. We, you know, it's like we said, it's, it's just one day at a time, man. And then it's, you know, impact a life that, you know, if someone, somebody that can't do anything back for you is who you need to be impacting. So yeah, man, it's just, um, I'm glad that I'm glad that we're on the same wavelength, you know. Yeah, and that and that sports isn't everything, you know. I th I think that when you got when you got called back up in um, 2017, your guys' first game back was right after Hurricane Harvey, right? And yeah, and like the, right, and, and yeah. Like the impact that you know that the Astros had on the city, along with this impact that the that the hurricane had on the city, and you know, like if yeah. if you could just talk about real quick how you know, like sports, like the impact that sports has, you know, on the world and on people. And at the same time, there's things that are bigger than sports because the game that you guys played was amazing. And it brought, you know, like the people together and it helped Houston kind of get out of that bad time. Even if it was just for a couple hours, they got to get away from everything that was happening, ha happening outside. So how, how is sports to you in your life and how do you think and and why is it so important you know to the country to people and 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 just us as a society yeah man it's it it's an outlet and it's a way to get away from the real world i feel like uh when people watch sports and actually when we were facing the mets we were actually facing matt harvey right after harvey so um you know, I feel like that was a very weird coincidence of all that happening. You know, I, I think that um, all the fans bringing signs about Harvey and everything was cool because uh, you got to, I, I always try to get into the community uh, because I want to know what other people are going through just so I can always remember that in the back of my mind is that, you know, when you step foot on that field, you know, it's not just for you. It's for the people who had just lost their house. It's the, for the guy who just lost his job. You know, it's for uh, people whose grandmother just got sick. And you start to realize, you know, different um, people really focus on sports because it's a moment for them to get away from their own life. And so um, sports is always bigger than us, man. It's, 
uh, it's a way for people to get away from their jobs, get away from the negativity in their lives. And, you know, I, like I said about empathizing, man, I just want to empathize with someone on the deepest level that I can, because um, that's all that we have at the end of the day. Um, I can't live through your life experiences. All I can do is listen and learn and understand. And, you know, that's why I always try to get in the community and get to know people because um, that's really, I feel like where growth comes from. Yeah. And that, and that kind of leads us into, you know, who you are and with your, with the plus one effect and how I, I kind of look at it, you know, as, as the same way, like we were in a quarantine, you know, everything, everything was shutting down, you know, people were like stressed out about their job finances, everything. It was, you know, like that, month of you know april and and may or was march and april were tough for a lot of people so um you know like i me and me and my wife we would you know post like these funny videos and everything and it was just like if if i can just make one person laugh or you just just turn around one person's day and then that person go and you know change a, a another person's day um and i know how that's how you see it with your uh you know plus one effect that is is going on right now like and you growing up and playing a sport and being one of the few black men black athlete in a sport where there's you know there's obviously a lot of you know latin and diversity kind of kind of going on but like as a kid you were playing you know how it's it was you know a white man sport and Mm -hmm. and that's and and like not very many people kind of get to hear what it was like and like the things that you had to had to go through so what what is it pretty much what's it like being a black athlete like at the top of your level and it's not the nfl and it's not the nba right um growing up man like in um in williamson county in franklin um you know the african-american black community it's only makes up about nine percent of it and so anytime I played on a baseball team, I was the only black guy on the team, uh, probably besides one or two years uh, when I was younger. And I would just talk to my brother and, you know, obviously no one looked like me. And I, he would, <laughs> he would just say, well, if you're going to be the only black guy on the team, you better be the best guy. <laughs> so like, obviously I didn't want to be on the team and be the worst player. So I think at a younger age, I was like, okay, well, you better be really good. So I think that's kind of like where the hard work came in because, um, you know, being the only black kid on the team, I didn't want to be, oh, like he's the black, only black kid on the team, but he's not good. <laughs> like I didn't want to be that. I didn't, I, like at like seven, eight years old, I was like, I don't want that to be the case. Yeah. And I remember that's when I started getting like really competitive um, is, is for that reason. And, um, you know, even, even, even on Vanderbilt's team, one of the only black players other than Avery Moore, who was a pitcher. Um, sometimes it is difficult, man. Uh, but at the end of the day, when you're on a team, you don't care if you're black, red, blue, or white, man. You just want to, you want the best guys out there to perform for you. And um, as pitchers are, you know, you just want the best defenders out there. And so yeah, I, wanted I wanted you. To be- to be behind me. <laughs> I remember one time we were spring training. It was just like a normal game. I think I had to throw like, I don't know, two innings that day. And I was like, just, I don't hate throwing two innings. And there was like a ground ball hit, like right in the, right in like the three or four hole. And like you were playing second and like, you know, we were on the backfields. It wasn't that big, a, but you like laid out, made this great play and threw it. 
And I remember afterwards walking the, in the into the dugout and being like, man, like I know that you didn't want it to dive for that ball, but that's just you, you know, like in your nature, like to just <laughs> go like balls out, you know, like for your teammates, like that's just that's just how you play. And I, I know we're kind of getting out of it, but no, like I know exactly what you're talking about. I I wanted to have you yes. in the outfield and in second and to, like just all over. I remember some of you guys said that. They're like, can you play center and second at the same time? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it. No, man, I think, I think you know, obviously, obviously, uh, like getting off of it a little bit, but uh, just being behind you guys, man, I know how hard you guys work. And, you know, we're, at the end of the day, we're all trying to eat and provide for our families. So if I can take away, if I could take away extra base hit or an out and save your arm, then I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm, I'm willing to make that sacrifice on, on a diving play. Yes, team guy, team guy, that – that's what we need, you know, others to help out your fellow, you know, employee or teammate, like whatever it is. And, and that's you, man, is to, is to just help people out. And I think that, you know, kind of what you're doing and we tend to only want to listen to people that we look up to or people that we think know what they're talking about. And we kind of struggle to listen to, somebody that might've not made it or somebody that you think is below you. And one of the things that I have really grown with recently is just trying to be more um, open-minded and just be more curious to everything, you know, listening to some of the most successful people in the world. And then also listening to the person that, you know, is, is, you know, struggling a little bit or somebody that just works every day to, you know, make a living that I don't think that is like a very smart person or that like I should listen to, but I have to try to listen to everybody that, that everybody doesn't know it all. I don't know it all. Yeah. Like I, I want to continue to grow. I want to continue to learn. And I know that yeah. like I will never be perfect. I will never know everything, but I can learn every day and I can try to make myself better every day. And then hopefully I can help others make themselves better every day. And that's kind of what the one, one plus effect is for you or the plus one effect is for you to where it's a conversation. It's just talking. Yeah. And like how you said, man, you know, with the plus one effect, I just said, I just told people like, Hey, like just because you change your opinion um, doesn't make you a hypocrite. It just means that you're growing as a person and um, yeah, the campaign's doing great. Um, You know, it's all about just, talking about understanding people's experiences about race and um, how we can be better. And, you know, the black community is hurting just because of the George Floyd murder. And it's pretty much why I just sent out that thing. Hey, if anybody wants to talk, like, let's talk about it because I know I was a little depressed after it. And uh, it was just a time where, you know, I felt like people needed to be listened to and people needed to be heard. And, you know, I just feel like people don't think just because they're not a professional athlete or a celebrity that they don't have a voice. And man, like that, that gets at me because everybody has a voice. Everybody's a human being. Like we're, we're we all sleep the same way. We all get dressed the same way. Uh, we're all on this earth for only a small a period of time. And, you know, it goes by fast. So why not just do it in the most positive way that you can? So, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I feel. Awesome, man. And and that's just you as a person, you know, I, I'm thankful to you as a friend to be able to, to go on, on the journey of, of baseball together, grow, grow as people just as much. And um, I know that you're going to continue to do big things 
on the diamond or on and off the diamond because that's just you as a person. You want to be the best on on and off the field. And I'm so thankful that you came on here, tell your story, and that you, like the people listening out there, like anybody can do it. And you are a prime example that, you know, like, you know, like if you work hard and you um, learn every single day and you have a dream or a goal and you do the things that somebody like you told them to do, you know, cause you just kind of told your story. And if you do this and you work hard and you have faith in yourself that you can have anything. And, you know, like I, yes. Right. And I appreciate the, the, time that you had and i know that you're going to crush it this year with the a's and it's going to be awesome man so i appreciate your time and sitting down here and talking with me yeah dude i like i said it's an honor to be one of your first guests and i'm excited to follow the follow the podcast and you know you sent up those mock t-shirts last night and man those are legit that's a cool design i'm excited to see where this takes you man and um if i can help you at all just let me know for sure, man. I appreciate the time, Tony, and I'll get a t-shirt out to you as soon as we can. Thanks, bud. Blessings.